0: I wonder if I'd offered a a nicely dressed up Coke or an ice cream. he would have been more keen on taking it. I don't know. You probably tweaked, having read the passage we've just read, why I looked at the passage in Matthew first, because there are some themes that crop up. And one of the things you notice about the Apostle Paul is that a lot of the time, the themes that he has you can track back and you can find things that Jesus said that Paul is putting in maybe a different way, but he's still telling you the same thing, except he's now talking to, in this case, the leader of a church, and he's telling him this is how things should be in the church, whereas Jesus was talking to a different audience. When you look, the words and the principles are the same. Now, Timothy was in Ephesus, which is a big city and was even in those days world famous and quite rich. But a lot of the people in his church might not have been the richest and the most well paid of people. Very often the very rich find it quite hard to engage with uh, true Christianity because it requires you to give so much up and to change your focus. But what you find in chapter 5 is a whole series of instructions about how church is done. And what chapter 5 deals with is things like how do you deal with instructing and rebuking and gently instructing older men, younger men, women, and so forth. And it's all to be done in order, and it's all to be done in a way that... Is above board and clearly righteous and it it, it stems from this idea that the way that you live your life should match your teaching and as you can see at the end of that chapter people who are slaves are told how to treat their masters and again you know some of you might feel like slaves because you've got to pay the mortgage and you have to go to work but Actually, we're not slaves in the sense that these people were. And yet what he's saying is, as slaves you are free, but actually serve your master faithfully. And don't take advantage of the fact that they might actually be in fellowship with you. Treat them with equal or more respect. So it all applies, the teaching that we've had before, that, that the source of all of this is Christ, and the church is the pillar and the buttress of truth. But the problem, of course, is that around then and now were a lot of people who actually put out false teaching or put out something that, I don't know if you've come across this when you've read a book or watched a video or something about from a particular preacher or a church, but a lot of what they're saying you recognize and yet there's a little bit of an alarm bell going off. Something isn't quite right here. A good example was the the two 1980s evangelists who had an argument over the fact that one of them claimed to have seen a 600-foot-high vision of the Lord Jesus, and the other one told him off because that vision would have been too small. You know, and you think, what? These are the guys that used to say that if you send us a little bit of money to seed the ministry, the Lord will always bless you, etc. But those people are driving around in very expensive vehicles and are basically saying that from their point of view, they are successful because they are making a business out of being preachers and so forth. Contrast that with Billy Graham. He died not long ago. And when he died, somebody in The Guardian wrote an article criticising him, except that they didn't really have much to criticise him about, and they managed to find that at one point he'd been in the same room with Richard Nixon, when Richard Nixon had said something slightly dodgy, and he hadn't jumped out of his seat and said, Mr. Nixon, you can't say that. But neither had anybody else in the room, because you kind of don't, And, and it wasn't anywhere near as bad as some of the things a more recent president might have said either, I think. But that was all they could get him on, because he made sure that the people who were working with him were looking after the money, so he didn't worry about the money in that sense. He lived in what would have been a medium-sized house. He did things that supported his family, but he didn't go overboard, and he didn't travel first class everywhere and all the rest of it. And The result was that people could see that his life and the gospel that he was proclaiming matched. If you think about it another way, did you hear about the royals last week? There were two sets of royals. The first ones, um, Harry and Meghan, I think it was, flew somewhere, and I think um, their friend, uh, the pianist, Elton John, had actually paid for the flight. And they were criticised because they're saying, you know, we, 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 we recognise the need to support the environment and yet we go on this expensive jet. <coughs> so Wills and Kate say, well, we'll fly economy then. But unbeknownst to them, the airline decided that because it was them, they'd fly a different plane down from Scotland, so the plane went 500 miles empty to get them. And you think, yeah, I can see the problem. Now, you shouldn't get too hung up on that. I mean, what they're doing is they're saying something, and people are looking to see if there is some kind of discrepancy. Um, and there is always a discrepancy, OK? Because you, you can't really tell when you buy electricity, whether it's from this source or that source. It's the same electricity. Um, but you, you can make the point, you can do the things, and you can not waste it and so forth. However, coming back to what we're talking about, these false teachers, wanted to pull people away from the true teaching about the Lord Jesus. And what he says is, he's quite, quite vicious. Listen to what he describes them as. If anyone teaches a different teaching that doesn't agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching according with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit. He's full of himself. Understands nothing has an unhealthy craving for controversy, wants to start arguments about words, wants to make people feel envious. And the envious causes dissension, which causes slander. You start talking about evil suspicions and constant friction. And this is the description of the people who take in their teaching, isn't it? Constant friction among people who are depraved in mind... And deprived of the truth. So To be depraved means to be focused on all the wrong things. And to be deprived means you haven't got it. So they're depraved of mind because they don't know the truth. And it, it could even be that they've kind of hidden the truth from themselves. So maybe they had heard the truth, but now they're, they're turning aside to other things. And this is the key problem. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, there is great gain in godliness with contentment. And that is, of course, the big focus of our message today. There is great gain in godliness with contentment. But there is this problem, isn't there, that we focus on all the wrong things. What is it that you desire? What is it that you think will make you content in life. It's said that not long before he died, um, somebody asked that question to Elvis and he thought he just needed some more money whilst living in Graceland and all the rest of it. Others say, well, what what would really make me content would be to have a, a family or it, it 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 may be just just a life partner because I haven't got to that stage yet. Or well, you know, if I had a if I had a car as good as my next door neighbours, I'd be happy then. Um, you know, um, but what you find is it's like that little triangle I was talking about to the kids. Whatever you get, there's always something else. Uh, cars do seem to be getting very big these days, although it, it's probably going to reverse with electric cars. But you know, I. I used to really not like BMWs of a certain type because of the way they're driven and so forth, you know. But nowadays, it's it's as likely to be the super-large Volvo or the super-large Range Rover, not the one that's actually any good for going off-road, which is what the original Range Rover, Land Rover was, but these big tank-like things where they're just looking down on you from above and the lights are in line with your mirrors, and but they just... Seem to be, I've got to have a bigger car because so and so's got a bigger car. Even the brand I drive, um, at one point with the Superb, had a guy that was parking and people were admiring the car and then being shocked at the badge because it was a Skoda. But they are saying, you know, you can have respect even in our car now. You know, now I didn't buy my car to get respect, I bought my car to get about. But then again, maybe I bought my new car because I wasn't trusting that the old one would get me there and maybe I could have gone on with the other one for a while. That's the problem, isn't it? There's always this sort of, I'm not holier than thou in this. I'm just saying that's how it works. But everything from that to your washing powder. Have you ever noticed how they lie to you in adverts by not telling you things? I reckon that there was a brand of washing powder in the 80s that made your clothes smell. How do I know this? Well, because for ages they were doing this advert for a particular company and they said, look, our washing powder will make your clothes this new blue-white. They they decided to invent a new kind of white. It's so good. And then a few months later they said, our washing powder will make it so your clothes don't smell when they come out of the washing machine. You think, so what are you telling us? The last one did? Did? But, you know, they're just trying to pick up on something and say, you need this, you need this, you need this. It isn't true. But we all have a habit of focusing on that thing we don't have and saying, if only I had that one thing, I would be happy, content. Now, if you're a teenager, you'll probably know this more, but it's true throughout life that there is an internal anxiety that's built into humans because we're, we're, we're creatures of groups of whether I fit in. So if I wear the wrong thing, will they kind of keep me out of the group? you know so should I have worn a jacket and a tie because I'm preaching you know or should I have and it, it's very difficult to to know what to wear when you're going in amongst a bunch of people who you don't know. But even the people you do know, people look at it and they say, well, should I wear that? Should I wear that? Will they think that? Will they think that? So one of the things I think would make a lot of people feel content, they think, is having other people think well of them and respect them and so forth. It's its a motivation, isn't it? So it's not just money. What the this scripture says is that money is a root of all kinds of evil. But it is a root and the thing is that anything that you turn to and rely on for happiness becomes an idol becomes something that that you're chasing over instead of god okay but you know i don't know what it is for you maybe you've just celebrated some great results in exams maybe you really wish you'd done a bit more In two or three years' time, that may not look quite as important as it does now. Please don't quote me on that to my school. Um, But I know that people work hard for something because they have a a, a goal in mind. Um, In some cases, it's just to keep the parents happy. But in many cases, they really do want to do something. But where do your ideas of contentment actually come from? Do they come from what you're told will make you content? Do they come from those people that are trying to sell you something so their profits go up? Do they come from looking at other people? Well, Paul says godliness with contentment is great gain. And this is what he talks about when he talks about contentment. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the true faith and pierced themselves with many pains. When a very rich man in America died. They took his coffin, because he'd been a very generous rich man, they took his coffin through the streets of his hometown to the church where they had a a service and then they buried him. On the way, somebody looked at the person next to him and he said, how much did he leave? And the answer was, everything. Because you can't, Take anything with you. The toys, the trinkets, the certificates of merit, they don't go with you. We come into the world with nothing. We go out of the world with nothing. And Paul, who went through a huge amount for the gospel, says, we are content if we have food and we have clothing. Those who desire to be rich are caught up in a never-ending net that gets you tighter and tighter the more you move in. And it's a temptation, a snare, and it gives you senseless and harmful desires which will plunge you into ruin and destruction. If you watch or listen to some of the programs on handling money, people will often say, well, I maxed out my credit card so I could get this. and, And I... I really felt I had to have this huge holiday abroad, so I spent 10,000 pounds, or this massive wedding. And you know, people spend amazing amounts on weddings nowadays. The budget in weddings are so high that in some cases, what people are doing is they're asking the people who are coming to the wedding to like pay to come to it almost. And you think, well, what was that about? That's so wrong, and yet it's becoming quite common. And it is senseless, and it is harmful, but the people who are doing it don't see that, do they? I have to have the biggest wedding. And maybe they've watched too many Instagram or Snap or whatever feeds it is these days. They're probably out of date though. Everything I know about is usually about a year out of date and the kids have moved on. But what goes on is people put up their highlight reel. I went to the top of a hill in Gothenburg, the other day, okay? It's, you get a good view. Um, and we went up this hill, and we got nearly to the top, and you just had a few more steps, and you're up where the big watchtower is and so forth. We decided to have a little sit-down. And as we sat down for a few minutes, a woman came up the, the steps into this walled area we were sitting in, and she sat down as well. <sighs> and then she got up, and she got out a selfie stick, and she went and she went, if that's the um, sign with the map on, she went and, you know, and then, and then she went somewhere else and she stood the phone on the, um, it was like, a, I think it was a light, you know, the lamppost. And, and she stood it there and, you know, and, and so we went. And we had a little look around. We, we came around the corner of the castle and she was over that side and she was now balancing it somewhere else, and she was really pleased when somebody offered to take a picture, because that meant she could relax and do that. And you think, you actually haven't looked at this place. You've just taken pictures of you being at this place so that you will know you were there later, or so your mates will know. And that is the danger, isn't it? We can buy into that highlight reel, that idea that everybody's having one of a time. Look, if you take a picture and it's rubbish. Do you post it? So how many rubbish pictures get discarded and it's only the ones that, and of course nowadays you've got the retouch tools built in the phone, haven't you? Not just the ones that makes, makes you put the, the rabbit's ears on and all the rest of it, but, but the ones that can make, it just look, make you look that little bit nicer and so forth. And the false teachers do exactly that. They don't tell you about the things that they are finding difficult. They only tell you about the things they want you to hear that make you think that what they have is what you want. And their purpose is to sell you their rebranding of the gospel. But the moment they do that, the moment they start putting those things in, they actually deprive you. They take away the gospel and they fill you up with desires for things that are not important. We read earlier that Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. The pagans worry about those things. Isn't it sad when these so-called leaders are examples not of how to live a godly life and to be content, but are examples of what the pagans do. So, you know, if, you're, if you are a successful minister of the gospel in the States, how many cars do you need to have got to prove that your ministry is bigger than somebody else? Why not build a really big building with some amazing light displays. There's one building somewhere in the United States where they built, it's like a glass cathedral sort of building, and, and the speakers are set up so that if you say something or if they sing something, it's like a wave of sound that works its way down. It's really brilliant. But it's got absolutely nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ, has it? It's just for show. What is the motivation of these people? They think that religion is a way to make money. They think that being apparently godly and selling you the, the package will make you buy into that, but I'm sorry to say that you will be disappointed. I, I was in Gothenburg last week uh, with the wife and we, we went around a few places and the most disappointing place we came to was the fish church. It's a marketplace that was built where they sell fish and so forth. But they did it in the shape of a church. And the pictures are quite nice. But just watch, the. don't bother going there. Because actually, when you get there, you come to this place, which on the outside looks like a church. It's got the nice sort of windows and all the rest of it. It's, it's the... Scandinavian-style of church. But when you walk in, there's a couple of fishmongers in there, and there's a cafe down the end, and there's a a, a display here about fishing, which probably means that they've lost one of the businesses in there, to be honest. And you can buy very expensive um, fish products, like um, you can watch a guy opening the oyster, and then you can buy oysters you know that sort of thing we didn't bother with that and they I'm sure the fish stuff is nice but there's other fish restaurants around that probably do it for more, more for less and so forth but you walk in and on the outside it looks a bit like a church but on the inside it's a marketplace and you are not going to find God there but even as a tourist I'd say don't bother go past it on the boat but don't, don't take a detour to get there but the brochures make it sound wonderful. So, you know, everyone says you must go here. It's one of the ten places you must go to in Gothenburg. Well, just make it nine places then, because that one isn't worth it. But again, you know, if I haven't done all the museums in the place or or, 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 or eaten at that particular restaurant, does that mean I've missed out? Well, no. We didn't starve while we were there. The weather was mainly good, actually bit of rain, but that was quite a blessing after two days of high temperatures. You can go through life believing the hype from marketing, and this is basically what a lot of Christian books and other things are, telling you that you're missing something and that you need it, Or you can go back to what Paul talks about, which is he says, flee these things. Don't be worried about those things. Jesus said, don't worry about those things because your father will take care of them. He knows you need them. And Paul says this, flee those things. Flee those temptations. Pursue, focus in on, go for godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. And fight the good fight. Godliness with contentment is great game. Godliness comes from following Jesus. It comes from learning from the scriptures what is the way you should live in the light of the gospel. It comes from being in a church and being A caring part of that church. One of the reasons why chapter 5 has instructions on when to help out the widows and what to do and who should look after who is because we are a community and we should be expressing love practically. We're not in it for gain, we give from what God has given us. So, what sort of example of leader should we follow? Should we follow the leader that turns up in the smart car, in the snappy suit, sorry, I forgot the snappy suit, who talks a good talk, gives you their highlight, tells you that this morning the Holy Spirit told them this? I um, had a, an argument with somebody at one point who bought a book by a man called Benny Hinn where he basically, I think it was called Good Morning Holy Spirit or something. You know, If you look into the ministry and the fruit and the situation for that particular minister, so-called, there's an awful lot of trouble in there. And the description could be people who argue, people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, regrettably. That doesn't mean that some of the people in and amongst those people aren't saved. Indeed, his son has recently written an article saying how he loves the people that are in there and recognises that some of them sincerely believe this idea that if you invest in God, God will give you a Rolls Royce. But it doesn't say that anywhere in the scriptures. All it says is contentment is we're here, we know the Lord, we are fed, we are clothed. The Lord provides us with everything. Sometimes he provides us with way more than we need or imagine. So when you happen to get the large ice cream or the other thing that you really enjoy in that moment, enjoy the moment. It is from the Lord. It's a blessing. But don't complain at the Lord if you don't have ice cream every day. Actually, it's probably good for you that you don't. Okay. I think one of the dangers from where we were staying was there was a beautiful gelateria next door, and trust me, you... You could. I heard one young lady go in, saying to her, Dad, shall I buy two scoops and then skip tea? You know, there was that much. Well, you know, you can do that once, can't you? But you can't live on that. You have to have the bread and the butter and the, the standard fare for healthy life. God provides us everything we need and he tells us that we should be pursuing Righteousness in the context of a church that is showing God's love and proclaiming the gospel. I'm going to talk about the second part of this this evening, so I'm going to pretty much stop there. But our key message, I hope, is don't be conned. Godliness, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness with contentment, is great gain and we do that because of the grace of god through christ let's just turn to the lord in prayer father god we thank you that you have revealed yourself in jesus we thank you for his incredibly wise words that we should not run after what the pagans run after but should seek you first and seek your kingdom and your rule in our lives Lord, as we sing a song of praise to you now, we acknowledge, Lord, that we rely on you and, Lord, that we at times forget to focus on you. So we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your uh, cleansing. And help us, Lord, to realize that all good gifts come from you. And in you we can be completely content. Amen.